Hello and welcome to the episodic audiobook series where I, Con Lavery, read to you books that I wrote, narrated, and did the improv music for. And if you have any of my ebooks or print books, you would see that I also do the photo illustrations and the design work for all these books. Now we're covering Cultivate, Seed Me Relapse Edition, and this is the final episode for this season. Now, if you've been following from the beginning, great. We get to find out what happens. Now, if it's your first time tuning in, go back to episode one. We've covered a lot of ground. Now, for example, like uh, Logan and Janet have been going through a bunch of stuff at the farmer's market. And this is for people tuning in from the beginning. Spoilers for those who are still listening who I told to go to episode one. <laughs> so yeah, Logan and Janet ate the seeds. Uh, farmer's market. Um, yeah, the old man. Turned out he's a cultivator. And Skip died. The Vicky lookalike ate him. Turns out all these uh, weird people are man-eating plants. Now, we're not sure about the cultivators yet. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But they're talking where the Vicky lookalike didn't talk. So a lot of mystery still. And Logan brought this up to his bandmates for the first time. And Seb thinks he's on drugs again. Jake, on the other hand, believes, not sure if he believes him but he's going to help find Skip uh, or just help them in general because Logan said Skip is dead. They didn't believe him. Now let's find out what happens next. Chapter 16, Sisters. I can't blame Seb for leaving after Janet and I went on about flesh-eating plants. Mix that in with my past life and it is a whole ball of crazy. Jake is cool though, and I'm glad we've got a third helping to try and save our lives. Jake is a dirty punk like Skip is, or was, and knows some handy tools like lockpicking. He puts together a makeshift flamethrower from a lighter, door hinge, and spray paint. One thing plants hate is fire. Saw that from the cigarettes. We'll torch these fuckers for Skip, Emily, and everyone they've killed. Jake says, What are we hoping to find in this house? Janet clutches her stomach. Something to get these things out of us. Honestly, I say. At this point, we just need some direction. Anything will do. Doc's found nothing. We're on our own. Thought about getting a second opinion, Jake says. Yes, smartass. Heads up, Jake. Occasionally, these plants have talked to us. They make us disoriented and sometimes lock up us entirely. Got it. Bzzz, goes Janet's phone. It's my cousin, Janet says. How are her symptoms, I say. She's okay, sort of, driving from Vancouver. These guys are in BC too? Jake asks. Yeah, she's on her way. Now? I ask. Well, heading into the mountains now. We don't have time to wait. I know. I doubt she'll get my text until she's out of the Rockies. If we figure out a cure, we'll help save her, I say. Right now, we gotta go. Totally, Janice says. There's uncertainty in her words. The tone is evident as it is in my own and Jake's. We're scared shitless, but what else can we do? The blue house and ritual site are the best bets to save our lives and Janet's cousin. Game time. We leave the house and head for the cultivators in silence as the sun sets. Darkness will help give us some camouflage in the house and woods. The hike takes us up past the farmer's market, which is closed, and we go through the alley just like the first time to reach the rickety blue house. My heart bumps around with each step we take to the house. All senses are heightened thanks to good ol' adrenaline as we reach the chain-link fence. 
The grass and weeds are aplenty in the backyard with a path leading to the side of the house. All blinds are closed in the dirt-stained windows. The basement has thick, dark curtains shrouding the house in mystery. You'd think no one has been at the property for months. Let's jump it, Jake says, testing the gate. Locked. Janet takes the first go at the fence, hopping once, twice, a third. She leaps. She swings over and lands on the other side. Jake and I follow next, and we're officially in. Not much for upkeeping this place, are they? Jake says. They love their nature, I say, while checking the garage windows. Too dark to see. Next, I try the door, which is locked. Jake, think you can do something with this? I'll give it a try, Jake says, kneeling down and taking out a hairpin and screwdriver, working his magic. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Shit, Jake says, giving up on the lock. It's a deadbolt. The house it is, I say. Janet takes the lead on the cracked sidewalk as we head for the shaded side of the house. There's a couple of wooden steps leading up to the side door with a screen cover. We each carefully walk up the wooden steps, avoiding any creaks. Creak goes the step. Well, we tried. Jake goes for the screen door, then the knob of the next. It's locked. He works as Janet and I stand back, checking to make sure we're not being watched. No neighbors are around. Good. Click. Aha, Jake says, twisting the knob. Here we go. Janet hugs her arms tightly, following Jake. I take the rear, keeping my knife in my sweaty palms. My heart is trying to run the opposite way as we step into the dark, quietly, closing and locking the door. Our eyes adjust to the filthy hallway. The walls have mounted branches above the peeling paint. At the end of the hall is the living room, with the light shining through the cracks of the blinds. To our immediate left are steps leading to the basement with a closed door. The right has the kitchen. Further down, there are two doorways. One doorway with a familiar red wheelbarrow sticking out. The other is tough to make out from this angle. Petrified wood, Janice says, noting the mounted wood. Like at the ritual site, I say. Ancient ones, hiss the whispers. They don't like it, Janice says. Let's circle around first, make sure we're alone, I say. We decide to take the kitchen first, creeping ever so slowly and being met with soft creak, creak, with our steps. My gut tightens, wishing we could lighten our step. Thankfully, the place appears vacant. The table and counters are littered with jars. Some of them are empty, others are filled with dirt, and a few have sealed lids with plants growing in the humid containers. Fluorescent lights are clamped to the tables, projecting right onto the self-contained ecosystems. The jars pull me in, like it's familiar. Yet, I've never seen it before. Green vines are pressing against the glass chamber. They shake. There, in the container, is a small bird, entangled by the vines with sharp thorns puncturing its body. Jake opens the fridge, saying, The fuck? Janet joins him. Logan! Jugs line every shelf of the fridge filled with dark red liquid. Slabs of meat wrapped in transparent bags, moist with blood, fill the trays. Feed us! Echoes the whisper. Onwards, I say. Our group leaves the kitchen, circling around to the front of the house and the living room. The entrance has no shoes, coats, or anything, and the door is locked. There's a staircase leading to the second level, which is of interest. First, the living room. There's no furniture, 
Black and red pebbles are spread on the hardwood, aligned in a circular fashion with lines forming a pentagram. More of the petals are arranged on the outside forming swirls. Janet says, Just like the ritual site. Easier to see at this scale, I say. Kind of like flower petals, Janet says. A flowergram. Jake says, Bidding. Shelves are placed against the walls holding buckets of gardening tools, packets of soil, and on top, there are small red and orange flowers below fluorescent lights. These freaks love their plants. We find chairs surrounding a wooden table with large jars resting on the surface at the far end. Both jars are filled with tiny black jelly bean shaped seeds with red stripes. There's a steel scale on the table, along with small, knitted bags and a neat pile. Perfect measurements for that 13 seed remedy. Looks like no one is home, Jake says. We haven't checked everywhere, I say. Upstairs first, Jake says, pointing to the staircase by the entrance. Yeah. Jake retakes the lead, heading up the stairs. We're met with a few more creaks as we reach the top of the second floor. There are three rooms. Two have cots and some scattered clothing in them. The third is a study with bookshelves lining several walls. A desk faces the window overlooking the backyard. Cork boards rest against the window frame with pinned yellow tinged paper covered in small dashed lined alphabets. Some papers have detailed illustrations of people, plants, and bottles. The table has petrified wood, a bowl of almond shaped seeds, and an extinguished candle with an ink bottle and feather. More papers with strange alphabets scatter the surface. A few of the documents are incomplete, resting beside a stack of papers. Check this out, I say. The dead center of the table has a detailed illustration of a flowergram. The line work is formed by dozens, if not hundreds of tiny flowers forming the flowergram. The circle is made of countless tiny dots. At the core of the design is a fire with an open door. A hand, with long fingers ending in vines and thorns, is reaching out of the doorway. This matches my dreams. I'm unsure what to say. I've seen this, Janet says. That makes two of us, I say. Guys, look at this, Jake says. There's a second desk tucked into the open closet with another cork board. The board has a map, but Jake is pointing to the surface where there are stacks of newspaper. Some are open, showing drain cases from various cities across Alberta. There's even the infamous 420 draining with Emily and Duane, the exact article I keep at home. Keeping tabs on the public, Janet says. Jake says, they're organized, hey? Look at that map. The corkboard map is of North America with pins puncturing various cities across the continent. The colored threads connect the pins. Calgary, Saskatoon, Vancouver, some from the Northwest Territories, and on and on. They all lead directly to the singular black and red striped pin impaling Edmonton. They're migrating here, Janet says. Why Edmonton? This place isn't special, I say. Secluded River Valley? No way. The mountains are far easier, or the Northwest Territories. They told me that's where they came from after Scotland. Jake says, something sacred perhaps. His nose is right into a book he pulled from a shelf. The cover is made of black leather with a woman's face carved into it. The one page he flips to has more of the line-based alphabet. There's a full-page drawing of two women, one upright and the other upside down. Their heads can join at the foreheads with a third eye forming a planet. Earth. The women are complete opposites in every way. The one on top has soft green hair flowing freely over her naked pure white form. Her hands and feet end in bark. 
The second is pure black, with vines coming out of her hair and the limbs ending in fire. What do you mean, sacred? Janet asks. Jake says, I don't know. The earth shows North America, not the other side. Just trying to make sense of it. Duality, Janet says. Yeah, like a balance. I say, they rambled on about a world mother. Below the map is a pinned sheet of paper with a timeline and actual numbers. 1796 is the first point, with the last line marking 2016, this year. 1796 mean anything in that book? I ask. Jake says, I don't know, but Edmonton House was built in 1795. Really? Totally, dude. I know my Canadian history. Edmonton House was a trading post that ran along the river. Like where the ritual site is, Janice says. Jake closes the book. I think we should keep this. Janice says, The cultivators migrated to North America from Scotland. Logan, you remember their chants? How could I forget? I say. It was a weird fusion of religions. Druidic, Wiccan, and they mentioned the Prince of Darkness? And? It's a fusion of ancient knowledge. This language looks Druidic. They could be a lost sect. And these drawings. Look at them. Janet pulls out some of the illustrations from under the flowergram on the desk. They're all migrating here, some sacred location bringing their plants with them. Just look at these. The papers have drawings of large flowers with vines, complete with decapitated heads raised by the plants. There are robed men, holding wands next to the flowers with a line-based alphabet covering the papers. Janet flips to the following paper showcasing striped, jellybean-shaped seeds underneath a burning doorway with horns along the arch. There are people burning below the gate reaching upwards. A gate into hell, Janice says. Hell seeds, gnarly, Jake says. The next page has the seeds entering a man's mouth with a giant red skull beside it. Well, no shit. Beside it is the interior of a body with vines growing inside, predicting our potential fate. The next paper has the same person in the center of a flowergram with hundreds of flower icons. He's holding a wand and some burning brown seeds by their mouth, letting the smoke enter their lungs. The vines in the person are gone. Yes, Janice says. The petrified wood. That's it. This is a remedy guide. These are the cure? I say, snagging the almond seeds from the other desk. Janice says, sure. Do you remember what the old guy said at the farmer's market? They boost the first seed's ability. I don't trust that lying prick. Look at these illustrations. Janet bites her lip, unsure. I know it's a stretch, but fuck it, man, I say. He had them right in the open at his booth. Maybe they are boosters if eaten. We're smoking them. Right, at the ritual site, Jake says. What about the one in the living room? That flowergram doesn't have flowers, I say, like the man-eating ones in the river valley. Yeah, Janet says, folding the papers and stuffing them into her coat pocket. This is good. We can take this petrified wood, those brown seeds, burn them at the ritual site, and inhale it. Goodbye, vines. I say, there's something else to this, though. What's with the burning door in the center? Janet says, I don't know. She snags the petrified wood, making her tense up. Ah! Shrieks a voice piercing into my ear. Christ, I think you did something, I say. Yeah, they hate petrified wood, Janet says, inspecting it. There's one downstairs. Come on. Janet, Jake, and I take some of the almond-shaped seeds and stuff them into our pockets. Hold on, there's more. 
Jake says, flipping through the book. He points at a page with a new drawing of the same woman. This one has them descending from the clouds with a golden gate standing above Earth. They're holding hands. You said world mother? Yeah, Janice says, like mother nature. She has her sister? Jake says. A slam comes from downstairs. Jake closes the book and we pull out our knives. Janice steps behind us, wide-eyed. Footsteps move on the main floor. We're not alone. And that is the end of episode 16 and the end of the series on the episodic podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We left that at a bit of a, of a cliffhanger there. In terms of the second edition, uh, Sisters is an expanded chapter that was split from the original where we got to see or learn more about the mythos of the World Mother. Now, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you actually do enjoy the story, grab the full audiobook, grab the full ebook, grab the print book, whatever format you prefer. It's on all major distributors like Amazon, Audible, Apple Books, Kobo, all of that. And uh, support the stories that uh, you're listening to. And thank you so much for listening. I'm really glad uh, you were able to make it all the way through this uh, gross story. Do check out the bonus episode that's uh, before planting. I did an updated one with an updated intro and then it gets into the original before the planting which is kind of the whole thing elaborates more on the story why there's a second edition where seed me came from way back in 2016 when the first book came out and if you really enjoy my writing and want more the patreon has monthly stories that expands the macrocosm which cultivate is a part of and all my stories are a part of and uh share with your friends and all that stuff there are more seasons in this podcast, and I'll catch you there. Take care. Ciao.